The schedule is kind of scary from a glance. On paper, it, it looks brutal. Uh, it might be, you know, it might very well be the toughest one in the league for the Giants. So they're screwed, right, Dan? So what's the over-under for them? Regular season wins? Is it eight and a half? Is that the number we're going with? Seven and a half is actually what Vegas has it at. So the Giants over-under seven and a half. Tough schedule. Oh, man, are they going to go over or under that? Well, I got to tell you this. They're definitely going way over, right? Because if I'm looking at the Giants wire, they're way too early. Gut predictions, game by game, <laughs> which people can find on the site. Dan, you guys had them at 11 and 6. Uh, yeah. We What's going on that. here? Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with my good friend, Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. Uh, for the fans, Dan, we've reached the NFL's version of nap time, right? For most, it's like it's that time to detach, go outside, try to get some vitamin D, see the sun, maybe recharge for September. Uh, unless you're a freaking diehard and you're invested in the voluntary OTAs in mini camps, but you know, to each their own. But how's the off season treating you so far? Uh, we call it rest season uh, <laughs> yes, for the writers. Yes. Uh, it's, it's technically a rest season for the fan or for the uh, players themselves because this is about the time of year where. You start to see people getting in trouble doing silly things that they shouldn't be doing. But, uh, yeah, it's largely rest season for the fans and for the writers. A couple spot OTA practices that are open. The Giants will have one on a Thursday, which is when this podcast will drop. So there will be a little bit of live coverage. But that's going to really be it until training camp. There's not really much going on. A couple open practices. There's a mini camp next month. But other than that, like you said, it's, uh, it's late spring. We're heading into summer. It's time to relax, recharge, get outside. Or if you're like me and you're a crazy person, go back and rewatch film from last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's that time of year where people start writing about, uh, should the Giants trade for Devontae Adams? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, which, uh, yeah boy, gotta fill spaces. <laughs> which, you know, will not be a topic on, on the show uh, this week. But uh, this might be our last show for a little while. You know, uh, you know we're going to hibernate a little bit on the podcast. We'll be back. It'll be season four, Dan, for us. <laughs> we start covering the regular season again, if you can believe that. We started this thing in 2020. So, it's yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun. I talk to you more than I talk to some of my family members talking every week like this. So uh, I do enjoy it, man. It's been fun. It's been a fun ride. Uh, but, you know, we could, we could be back in June or July for, for random episodes, especially if, like, the Saquon Barkley thing ever resolves, right? We were kind of open. We were holding out hope before OTAs. We're like, all right, let's, let's hit the pause button. Maybe we'll come back and do a show as soon as Saquon signs. It sounded like maybe it could happen before OTAs. It didn't. Uh, And now I guess the next date is that July 17th, right? We're, we're waiting to see if, if they can reach that deadline for the long-term agreement, but uh, Saquon Barkley, not at OTAs, probably not surprised, Dan. You know, there was obviously some hope that they could get a long-term deal done by now. But, you know, the fact that they didn't, obviously, Saquon's, you know, not able to participate in OTAs or the upcoming minicamp without a signed contract or without signing the tender. So his absence, definitely not surprising. That's, that's you know, that's to be expected at this point. Uh, video clips do keep popping up of him working out and training, though. So it's not as if he's not, you know, getting that work in. He's not you know, take care of his body, getting ready for the season. He still looks like he's preparing. Um, so, again, you know, we're kind of like in a wait-and-see mode with Saquon, and I know fans are starting to get a little bit more than anxious at this point that nothing's getting done. But, you know, that's just the nature of contract negotiations. that happens every single year. Right. It, it is, and I, I don't 
I'm not surprised that he's not at OTAs. I didn't expect him at OTAs. I'm, I'm looking forward to that deadline in July because I think that'll tell us a little bit more about how, you know, wh- where these negotiations could go. If Saquon doesn't want to s- sign that tender, how far could that uh, dry out? Because that'll be his only option after July 17th. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the most training camp. If he's missing real training camp, if he's maybe missing the regular season, which you and I, Dan, we don't believe that's it's going to come to that. We think. Saquon Barkley will be playing for the Giants this year. But what if what if this actually does draw into the regular season, right? Hypothetically, what's the plan B? I, I mean, it's not like, it's not Matt Breida, right? Like, it's not, there's not going to unleash Eric Gray, the rookie they drafted, right? Like, what would be the plan B if if this thing actually does draw out into the regular season? What, what do you think about that? Do you think the Giants have a plan B? I, I do, but I want to preface and and let Giants fans know very clearly that I do not think that that's going to happen. I don't see that scenario in which that happens. Uh, Financially, it wouldn't make sense for Saquon to do that, uh, whether he gets his long-term deal or not. Um, He's also a captain of the team. You know, he cares deeply about his teammates. He's close personal friends with Daniel Jones, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence, them guys. I just don't see a scenario in which he leaves the Giants out like that uh, going into the regular season. So again, I just want to let the fans know, don't think that's going to happen. But as far as the plan B, I do actually believe that it's Matt Breda and Eric Gray. I, I very, very much believe that that's simply what the Giants would do. I don't think they'd go out and sign anybody. I don't think they'd add anybody up, maybe a depth piece if they didn't you know, have faith in some of their guys further down the roster. But I think Matt Breda would essentially take over as the starting running back and he'd be spelled by the rookie. And I, and I honestly, I don't necessarily think that I would have a, a problem with that because Breda, actually, he ran really hard last season, and he seems to be a nice fit in Mike Kafka's offensive scheme. Um, you know, he's not the superstar talent that Saquon Barkley is, but he's certainly someone that can get the job done as long as the run blocking up front is sound. And the Giants have improved greatly in that area. That's actually one of their strengths. Uh, pass protection obviously needs a little work still, but um, I, I think they could get the job done with those two. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Eric Gray brings to the table because I do think that he's sort of an all-around talent. He doesn't excel in any one particular area, but he is good in all of them. Um, the more I've looked into him, the more I've read about him. Uh, he has great vision, which is you know something that's absolutely necessary, again, for Mike Kafka's offensive scheme. So I, I'd be curious to see how he fits in, but I do think the Giants would go with those two backs, one, two. I think uh, you know if I put my fan cap on for you, Dan, the rebuttal would be, well, there's all these veterans out there like Ezekiel Elliott. You don't want to see Ezekiel Elliott, the battering ram on the Giants, Dan? Cap, pass, <laughs> absolute pass. pass. He might be cashed. He might be cashed. I, I th- I th- he's washed, in my opinion, yeah. So, I mean, there are other options out there, but you got to remember, too, that the Giants only have X amount of money. And sure, right. you, could, you could move money around and you could create some void years and things like that, but the Giants... They're already kind of tinkering with that a little bit more than I think Joe Shane feels comfortable with or really wants to. So I don't, I can't envision a scenario where they, you know, restructure a deal, add a void year to someone else on the team. Uh, they couldn't do it with Leonard Williams because he's already got that void year next year. So it would have to be elsewhere. Um, and, I, and I just can't, I can't for the life of me think of who that might be. Maybe a Dory Jackson, but again, um, the expectation seems to be that he's not going to be returning next season, which is a topic for a different day. Uh, but again, you don't want to keep adding those void years and, and carrying more and more dead money into next season when you're finally about to break free uh, of the salary cap nightmare that Dave Gellman left the team in. So I think they would just go with who they have on the roster. 
Yeah, I think them signing Zeke Elliott's about as likely as I'm trading for Devontae Adams. But I just <laughs> the, top, the topic, if that happens somehow, would be really fun for us to talk about Ezekiel Elliott on the Giants and getting the fans I, I don't, reaction. I wouldn't to that. even see, like objectively. I, I don't. I wouldn't see him as a fit for this particular offensive scheme anyway. Yeah. Um, this is more about speed, separation, uh, spacing, timing, vision, n- none of which are Ezekiel Elliott's particular strong suits. So <laughs> I, I just wouldn't see. And I, I know his name has been thro- thrown around by Giants fans, but that's that's the prop. And I don't mean to disrespect anybody by saying this, but that's the fantasy football Madden era. He's a big name, so therefore he's, you know, talent level is associated with the big name, even though the talent doesn't necessarily meet the name anymore. Um I, I kind of despise that about the era that we currently exist in. Um, but if you go back and actually watch the film, even of peak Ezekiel Elliott, he's not really an ideal fit for this offense. Pete, you know, in his prime, he certainly could be functional in it and productive in it. But at this stage of his career, it's just not a fit. Yeah, I think he'd be kind of a short yardage specialist, but not not a yeah, bell cow type. No, and they kind of got Eric Gray that can do that job now. So. Right, Exactly. Uh, you know, so guys like Zeke Elliott, you know, for fans looking at the free agents um, that are available, there are some veterans that are probably looking, you know, for a spot just like this, you know, an injury, uh, something like this, where there, a spot opens up, a holdout, who knows? Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette's another veteran who's probably cashed at this point. Uh, Kareem Hunt's the big name, who I think would be, he's a really good running back, <laughs> versatile, catches the ball, he can run, he, he can protect, he can do it all. He'll be expensive, though, so I don't think that's going to happen either. So, yeah, I think the most the most likely situation, scenario, whatever I'm trying to say here, Dan, is is just what you said. Probably some co- combination of Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, Eric Gray. Uh, in terms of w- where the negotiations are, the Giants pulling you know, those original offers to Saquon Barkley, those two sides continuing to be at a stalemate at this point. I know Joe Shane has basically came out and, and said exactly this. It's starting to feel like the Giants are just happy with the deal they're getting on the tender, right? You get Saquon Barkley for $10 million, even though it's fully guaranteed this year. The Giants probably see that as a, a good deal for them. To, and maybe that is what's holding. Is, what, is that what's holding up the negotiations, Dan, where they're like, why are we going to give too much when we feel like we're getting a great deal for the 2023 season? You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah. I think what they want really is, you know, both sides want long-term security. I think that would be more beneficial to both of them. But when you're looking at what Saquon and his representation is allegedly asking, which has call, been called into question by his own agent recently, um, you know, because the, the reported ask was $16 million, and now she's claiming that um, they're not firm on that particular ask at this point. Uh, which I find interesting because the Giants' offer that they pulled was allegedly and reportedly $13 million with a $1 million in additional incentives, bringing him to a $14 million AAV, which would make him one of the highest paid running backs in the league and well above market value. Um, so you, you know, when, when you think about what they were offering and what Saquon and his agents were allegedly asking and seeking, it does make sense for the Giants to kind of, even though it is an unusual step to pull an offer, to pull those offers and just be satisfied with the $10.1 million granted, and albeit you know fully guaranteed, is much better than the alternative. Um, on the other side of that, however, the Giants would prefer to get them to a long-term deal so they could knock down that first-year salary and that first-year cap hit a bit and free up some operational space for the rest of the season because they're still going to need to do that one way or another. Um, 
But yeah, I can understand why they kind of backed off when the market ended up being much cooler than even they anticipated at the time. Um, I think both Shane and Barclays representation actually overestimated where it was going to be with Saquon side, obviously overestimating it to a much larger degree. So when that didn't happen and Saquon rejected the deal, it was just safer for Shane to say, all right, well, we're pulling the deal now. And it is fascinating where they're like, all right, no, 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 just kidding. Let's, let's go back and let's go back to that figure that we had discussed that we originally turned down and the Giants are like, no, that's a different figure now, you know? Yeah. Right. I got to tell you, I think I find it really interesting that she came out and publicly said they're not hung up on the $16 million deal because if that's true and the Giants ordered what was up to a $14 million contract, that would mean the two sides are a lot closer than Joe Shane has publicly acknowledged it being. And, I've got to be honest, um, I'm not saying that Saquon and his camp are being dishonest, but to Shane's credit, he has been remarkably transparent with the media in every regard about everything. So I'd be much more inclined to believe um, that they, you know, his side of his, his view on things uh, more than Saquon's side. But, you know, you got to be careful and cautious with that because teams and reps will negotiate through the media and manipulate what it is that you see in order to, you know, get leverage for their side. So I think fans need to be careful about just how deeply they want to believe one side over the other. Um, because, like I said, Shane is saying the two sides are far apart. You know, Saquon's rep is saying they're not asking for 16. And if the offer was 14 million, that would that would mean that they're much closer than is being reported. That makes sense. And and again, it come it just probably comes back to the Giants are getting a good deal this year. So yeah. you know, what's you know, that's probably what's holding this up. We'll see if they can make some headway there finally. Yeah, and I highly doubt and listen, there's no way for us to know what the structure of that fourteen million to up to fourteen million dollar offer was, but I can guarantee you that that, that first year salary would have been less than ten point one million uh but at the same time, you know, 10.1 million for a player of Saquon's caliber is, you know, that's a steal still. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure that Shane is comfortable enough if they don't get a long-term deal done, paying Saquon that guaranteed money is going to work out just fine for them. Yeah. And, and if the Giants really want Saquon around uh, long-term, they, they should just get it done. They'll get it done. Uh, I believe that uh, you and I are aligned. We don't, we're not really scared about him missing real games real time this year. Um, but you know, crazier things have happened in the NFL. I, I keep thinking about yeah. Le'Veon Bell, Dan. <laughs> Remember that thing mm-hmm. he had? To, he had that contract dispute with the Steelers. He's like, I'm not playing on that franchise tag. I believe he was tagged right, and then he sat out the entire year. Came back with the Jets, I believe, signed for less money than he would have got with the Steelers, and then kind of sucked. Right? He kind of lost his kind of lost his fastball when he came back because he took a year off. So there's some precedent precedent there where uh, I, holding out for the whole season doesn't exactly work in your favor. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're holding out for more money and then you skip the whole season, you make zero dollars. Did you really benefit yourself anyway? Like that's good math. With with Bell, I think it was more a matter of he felt disrespected and he was of the attitude of I'm going to show him. Obviously, that didn't work out for him, but I certainly do not see Saquon following in his footsteps in that regard. I, I just, from you know, from a pure business perspective, Saquon's way too smart for that. Yep, I'm with you. Unfortunately, he's running out of leverage, <laughs> and that's that's the problem here. Uh, the Giants want that want that bargain, and Dan, you think they got a bargain with Dexter Lawrence's new four year deal? Now, I know this was a few weeks ago that this uh, news broke. It broke on the same day our our last episode dropped, <laughs> and then we were kind of holding out for Saquon to see if he would sign before OTAs. So we're just getting to it now. Uh, but 
you think that Joe Shane struck a pretty nice bargain here on Dexter Lawrence's extension, even though, you know, when you look at it, 90 million, 60 million guaranteed, uh, makes it one of the highest paid interior defensive linemen in the league. It looks like a big number, but you were, you were telling me before we hit record this morning, you love this. Do you think it's a good deal for the Giants? I do. I know some people are going to look at that number. Listen, it's a massive deal. There's no other way around that. It's a gigantic deal. It's one of the largest handed out to an interior defensive lineman in NFL history. But the market changes and shifts every year, and it's reset every year, if not every other year. And I honestly believed that that leading up to that contract uh, signing, that Lawrence was going to completely reset the market for interior defensive linemen. I really expected something over $100 million with maybe $70 million guaranteed, uh, somewhere in that range, maybe, you know, the number one uh, interior contract of all time, uh, certainly currently. Um, but, you know, to Dex's credit, he wanted to be here and he wasn't looking to break the bank. He wasn't looking to reset the market. Uh, kudos to him. Joe Shane got it done. I think it's a great deal for the Giants. Um, that deal next year and the year after are going to look so much better than it does even right now. So kudos to both sides for getting that done. And I would love to see Saquon, you know, sort of do the same thing that Dexter Lawrence did there um, and have the two sides come together like that. So, but yeah, I, I do. I do believe that Shane got a good deal on one of the best, if not the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL, certainly the best nose tackle in the NFL. Yeah, it was, it was annoying. It took as long as it did, but it's, it's great that that deal is done. That one at least is behind us. And, you know, in terms of Saquon Barkley, we all love Saquon Barkley, uh, but a player like Dexter Lawrence in the position that he plays, uh, it would hurt a lot more if you lost that player for some reason than if you lost a running back. Uh, so it's just that. I mean, had- yeah, he's a yeah. They're both elite players, but I mean, Dexter Lawrence is like there's no ceiling to how good he can actually be. Um, you know, we're talking about. You know, it may be a little early to say this, and I know some people may actually scoff at this, but I genuinely believe it. I think we're watching the early stages of a Hall of Fame career. Well, I love that take. And and speaking of, it might be too early to say this, you guys posted your game-by-game predictions for the Giants in 2023 (laughs) already on Giants Wire, Dan. I know that's always a fun exercise. It's one of my favorites. Like Schedule comes out. Let's predict it. Let's predict the season right now. Let's pick the over-under for regular season wins. Let's go. And we can debate games in week 16 in mid-May. It's it's hilarious, right? It's, it's just <laughs> the best. Uh, but give me your, like, you know, just from a 30,000-foot view, give me your top takeaway from this giant schedule. Like, what what popped out to you immediately when you, when you finally saw the whole thing on your desk? Well, there were a few things that stood out, and mostly in the early part of the year. Is the, and this is largely from a, a writer's perspective, too, more so than the player's perspective, yep. is that they play three games, three games in 11 days to start the season, and, and two of them are primetime. And they have uh, four primetime games over their first six weeks, which is just an absolute nightmare from from where I'm sitting and where I'll be sitting during that stretch. So, uh, so yeah, that, that early – you know, for six weeks really punched me right in the face when I saw the schedule. And four <laughs> of those are four of those six are away games. Like I said, four of the six are are primetime games, three over the first, you know, eleven days. Um, you know, four of the games are back to back road games. So they go at Arizona, at San Francisco, and then at Miami and at Buffalo. So that is a brutal, brutal stretch to start the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and I one thing that popped out at me, well, first of all, uh obviously Giants not playing the Eagles until Christmas Day. When you think about how yeah. late in the season that is, they don't play the Eagles 
until Christmas Day, and then they play them again 13 days later. So they play week 16 and week 18, and in two games separated by 13 days. Uh, for like the, one of the big rivalry games, uh, and one of the, our favorite, you know, when those games come up on the schedule, Dan, they're always fun for for obvious reasons. Uh, that kind of that was annoying to me. It, first of all, that's too long, and then we don't know like what's going to be happening in week 18. Maybe that won't be a meaningful ball game, right? So. I don't know. That's kind of annoying. I saw this a lot. There was a this happened for it's not just just the Giants playing a division opponent twice in three weeks. Uh, I believe this happened with the Broncos as well. They play Kansas City twice in three weeks early in the year. The Giants, it happens late. It's just kind of a schedule quirk, I guess. But I kind of hated that. That's one thing that jumped out is not playing. The you got to remember Christmas. that the same thing happened last year with Washington. Remember? Yes. Yes. Washington played the Giants back to back and the Giants played them twice in, in, in a three week span. Obviously, right, Washington right. had the bye week in between. So, yeah, it's it's not just that it's a schedule quirk. It's that it seems to be consistently happening to the Giants for some <laughs> reason. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not suggesting anything. It's just it just does seem to find them in weird ways. So do so do a lot of these other like they're playing on Christmas day. They're playing on, on, on new year's Eve. And this comes a year after they played on Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Halloween, new year's day. It's like, you know, come on guys. Like, can you give us all like the writers, the players, the coaches, the fans, can you just give us a break, please? Yeah. The NFL really cares about our feelings, Dan, you know what I mean? They really yeah, do, right. especially with this. You can flexing. tell by the new, yeah, I was going to say yeah, the flexing of Thursday the night. Flex yeah. Scheduling. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, they really care about the fans because we're gonna we're gonna randomly flex Thursday night games when you've yeah. probably already booked all your travel, especially if you're going to an away game. Uh, I, and... I know fans who have already booked their travel. Sure, They've already booked it for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's say, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to San Francisco? You know, right. that'd be a fun trip. I've I've never been there. Imagine, imagine though, imagine you're a fan, a Giants fan right now, who's make you've already booked your trip to New Orleans on December seventeenth. And they flex that game to Thursday night. Yeah, how angry yep. would you be if you had, you know, your plan set for that day and they flexed it? I, that was just maddening. You know, that's a topic that we'll probably continue to talk about, and, yeah. and maybe we'll be pissed about that during the regular season if that happens, and we'll feel for oh. the fans as as John Mayer will as well. Uh, another thing that popped out to me schedule wise, Dan, is what I think is their toughest stretch. It comes right, but be- right before the week thirteen bye. For me, they have this stretch of five games, which I think is kind of brutal. First of all, they host the Jets, right? Which is not a real home game because the Jets aren't traveling, right? So they they quote unquote host the Jets. Then they play three consecutive road games, right? So you have this like kind of fake home game against the Jets, and then you have at Vegas, at Dallas, at Washington. Then you come home to play the Patriots, and then you get your bye. That's kind of a brutal five game stretch right there. Uh, so that's one where I'm looking at where if like if the Giants find a way to win three of those five, I think you're just you're ecstatic when week 13 in the bye hits. You know what I mean? Like that, I think, is the, the part of the schedule that jumped out to me. That's the toughest part, in my opinion. Well, I think there's that that three game road stretch is, is one of the things that stands out on this on the schedule as a whole, because like I, I mentioned earlier, you had some of those back to back road games early in the season, but the giants actually play back to back on the road. Uh, let's see. What is it? One, two, three, four, five times this season, more than any other team in the NFL, they'll play back to back on the road. And two of those back to back come in that three game road stretch that you're talking about within the five game stretch that you just mentioned. Uh, so it really is just kind of a nightmare schedule from top to bottom. When you look at it, they have the least rest 
of any team in the NFL. They play on the most short rest of any team in the NFL. Like I just mentioned, they play the most back-to-back road games of any team in the NFL. Um, they play, they've got six primetime games in total now with the opportunity of getting flexed into a potential seventh primetime game. They play Philly twice in the final three weeks of the season. Um, they play on holidays. It's just, it really, it really was a brutal and it is a brutal schedule for the giants and everybody associated with the organization. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to, and that's not even including strength of schedule, which is one of the worst in the NFL as well. So the giants certainly have the odds stacked against them, but I think the good thing about that is, is that Brian Dayball and the players are going to use that as fuel going into this season. You know, I mentioned San Francisco earlier, um, not that that game would change because that is their Thursday night game um, week three. So that kind of sucks, Dan, <laughs> to play to yeah, play a Thursday tough. night game week three at San Fran. Woo, mm-hmm. Yuck. Now they do get a break, right? Because then they don't play again till Monday night the following week. So they do get 10 games between games there, but it's so early in the year that it doesn't really work to your advantage as much. And that San Francisco game is such a, it's almost like a scheduled yeah. loss. That's that's. I think I think that's. The, I think that was the NFL's attempt to say, "We're sorry, we're going to give you an extra day or two of rest after your three games in in eleven days." Yeah. The season. Yeah. Sorry, next... guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. So that that just kind of plays into the rest disadvantage you were talking about. Uh, you know, you guys did a great job posting um, some of the tweets that Warren Sharp put out there. Uh, you know, he was talking about some major disparities in terms of rest and the Giants being one of the most significant um, that are at a rest disadvantage. And even, ever. so even, even ever. when, yeah, ever. And even these like built in, you know, mini buys for them, like would like we'll get between week three and week four, isn't like really that significant because it's so early in the year and how, you know, how much are they going to benefit from that really between week three and week four? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I get what you're saying because it is earlier in the season and obviously the guys are going to be much fresher. That is something that would have benefited them, you know, more mid season uh, than anything else. But I think after three games in 11 days, you, I think the players are going to take whatever, whatever the NFL is willing to give them at that True. point. But, yeah. you know, on the other end of that though, they they play a one game less rest going into the, into week five. So, you know, you turn right around and have a shorter week. So, you know, how much does it actually benefit them? Probably not so much. But, you know, again, I still think the players are going to be happy to take it, especially since they're going to stay out on, on the West Coast for those two road games before returning to play Seattle. So they're, they're going to be pretty exhausted. So having that extra day or two uh, of rest will benefit them to some degree if, if for no other reason than they can shake the jet lag and get back, you know, get used to being back on the East Coast. Yeah, and that's another, like, little thing, like some hot weather games early. At Arizona, at San Francisco, at Miami in the first five weeks, <laughs> be playing in some hot weather, Dan. Yeah, they are. I, I think the one the, that that's that brings me to the one other benefit. The one of the few benefits they have on their schedule is that they're playing uh, Buffalo on October fifteenth. So chances are they're not going to be worried about playing in zero degree weather in a foot of snow. So. Right, that's true. Which Buffalo is like oddly comfortable with, you know, like that's yeah. like that's their weather, right? I mean, if listen, if you're going to play Buffalo, you might as well play them early in the year, right? Like. They're already that's already a hard enough road game as it is. You don't want to have the complete disadvantage of playing in their home weather either. So yeah, no, you don't want snow in Buffalo. You want wind and rain because that's it affects the passing game. It affects Josh Allen, and that's that's how you go get him. You don't want snow though. That's that's their kind of weather over there. Yeah, and you don't want below zero. That's their kind of weather as well. Uh, So the schedule is kind of scary from a glance on paper. It looks brutal. 
Uh, it might be, you know, it might very well be the toughest one in the league for the Giants. So they're screwed, right, Dan? So what's the over-under for them? Regular season wins? Is it eight and a half? Is that the number we're going with? Seven and a half is actually what Vegas has it at. So the Giants over-under seven and a half. Tough schedule. Oh, man, are they going to go over or under that? Well, I got to tell you this. They're definitely going way over, right? Because if I'm looking at the Giants wire, they're way too early. Gut predictions, game by game, (laughs) which people can find on the site. Dan, you guys had them at 11 and 6. What's going on here? So the (laughs) the over-under is 7.5. The Giants have the most brutal schedule, which we just kind of talked through, Dan. And you got 11 wins? Explain yourself. What is going on here? Yeah, we, we didn't listen. We really didn't expect that when we started doing the game <laughs> by games. But, uh, a little off the maybe. The, the truth is, is there's, there are, you know, listen, if you, if you wipe out all of the home, the road, the times, the dates, the kickoffs, things like that, you just look straight at the games. And that's kind of the way that we approach this is we looked at it and said, is this game winnable for the Giants? And opening the season at home against Dallas – Forget everything that comes after that. You got to focus solely on that game. The Giants are going to come in. The emotions are going to be high. They're going to be a significantly better team than they were a year ago. And we thought, is that a winnable game? Yes, it's a winnable game. We started going down the line, and you know, you look at Arizona, arguably potentially one of the worst teams in the league. They're, they're rebuilding. Their future is bright. Uh, but that's that's a game you've got to win. That's that's a very winnable game too. Agreed. Uh, you're Arizona, still on yes. normal rest at that point. Yep. You go to San Francisco. Listen. It's your third game in 11 days. You're on the road. It's at night. We didn't, we're not giving them much of a chance in that game. Scheduled loss. Dominant yep. defense. Yep. Scheduled loss. But, you know, Seattle is a winnable game. They were in the game last year. You know, Seattle obviously ended up winning. I think the Giants have improved more than Seattle has. Um, they're at home. They're going to want a little bit of revenge there. MetLife again should be rocking. Uh, so was it a winnable game? We discerned, you know, that is a winnable game. Uh, and, and you could just kind of go down the list like that. Miami's competitive. Um, is it winnable? It's certainly not, you know, you can't chalk it up as a, as a loss right at the gate. You don't necessarily know where the health of certain players on Miami's going to be. Obviously, that's been a big story for them. Uh, we chalked Buffalo up as a loss. It's understandable why we did that. We kind of called that the measuring stick game. They're considered one of, if not the best teams in the AFC. So the Giants can kind of find out where they are in the pecking order. We actually had the uh, home game against Washington as an upset loss um, just because, you know, it, it's. I know people are like, ah, oh, the Commanders thing, and the Giants own them. Those games are close every single time, like and can go either way. And eventually, Washington thirteen gonna or get some one. weird score, yeah. you know? Right. So eventually, Washington's going to get one. Um, the Jets. I hate to say it, probably. You know, they can they win that game? Listen, they beat Aaron Rodgers in London last year, so they they're certainly capable of winning that game. I don't remember if we had that one as a win or a loss, but um, you know, it's a game they could compete in. I think I think we gave that one a loss. We had them winning at Vegas. You know, again, not not necessarily the best team right now. Uh, the Giants should win that game. It's rare to say the Giants have more, you know, higher personal level of personnel talent than other teams do, but I think they do in that game. Um, at Dallas, you know, again, that could go either way. I think we gave that one a loss. At Washington, Daniel Jones plays his absolute best by far in Washington. Uh, I don't know what it is about the Giants in Washington. They just seem to dominate there, so we gave them a win there. And then we come up to your New England Patriots. <laughs> And 
Um, you know, I think our point was is that Bill Belichick doesn't have the hold on the Giants that he has on the rest of the league, and they're not nearly the team they were when the Giants were knocking them off. So we gave them that W. Um, you you may disagree with that, but we'll, a, we'll see when we get there. As a Patriots fan, I will say it's a winnable game for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you go into the bye, you get your rest, you get an extra day of rest because you're actually playing on Monday night coming off the bye. Uh, against Green Bay, no one knows, you know, who knows what they're going to be at this point. Um, I, I, I could tell you what they're not going to be. They're not going to be an Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay team that the Giants beat last year. So, you know, theoretically, you think the Giants would win that game. Uh, winnable game against New Orleans, probably not going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Day. Uh, but you never know. I mean, probably not, but you, you never know. Los Angeles seems like you know, winnable game at that point in the season, they're probably scaling things down. They're, they're not, you know, the high expectations aren't, you know, too particularly high for them. The players could be looking towards the off season. And then you go into week 18 hosting the Philadelphia Eagles who could very well be resting their starters at that point. Um, the giants playing for a playoff spot. And, you know, again, for that reason, we gave the giants a win there and, and you know, we, we kind of concluded that it could be 10 wins or 11 wins, uh, you know, the 11th win, it's, you know, that's going to be factored based on, you know, who's playing what late in the season. And that's what makes these way too early predictions kind of silly because you just <laughs> have no idea how it's going to shake out. Right. But, you know, we kind of made the assumption that, you know, the Rams will be looking forward to the offseason scaling things back, maybe playing some younger players and that the Eagles in week 18 will be resting everybody. Because, you know, listen, expectations are that they're going to win the division. We don't have the Giants winning the division. Uh, they're probably, you know, have secured a first round buy at that point and all the other things. They're a good team. That's just the reality of it. But, you know, similarly to last year, they have no reason to start their players in that situation, start their starters in that situation. So it gives the Giants an opportunity to pick up an 11th win uh, in the game by game breakdown. I love it. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, obviously just being candid here, trying to predict a, a game like on November 26th, oh, Giants, right. Patriots, week 12 right now in yeah. may is ridiculous right but it's so fun it's so yeah. fun to do i think the the uh you know and the giants are going to come out they're going to play that week one game at home against dallas we're going to see what they look like and by the time they get to week 11 week 12 you know the giants are going to be a completely different team so, yeah. maybe the same so players, every other team but different team. Yeah. right exactly it'll just be a completely different situation so yeah. That's that's kind of the silliness of breaking it's it silly, down in May but, because you have to assume health for all teams. Right, right, right. And, right, and you have to assume that they're going to follow the same trajectory that they've been on. And, you know, you, you have to make a lot of assumptions when you do these early game-by-game <laughs> predictions. But just as it is on paper, it is a very difficult schedule. But the Giants very well could win between 9 and 11 games based on the schedule. Yep. There are some gimmies on there. That's just all there is to it. Like this team is at the point now where if you're going to continue to improve, you have to win the gimme games. And I know like there are a lot of people that say there's no gimme in the NFL. You're right. There isn't. Anyone can win on any given Sunday. But when you go into a game where you're, you have better coaching, you have better schemes, you have better systems, you have better personnel, you have to win those games. So this is the season where the Giants have several of them on their schedule, and we have the optimism that they're going to make that next step, and they're going to win the games they have to win. I love it. It's It's such a perfect take. Uh, in May, you know, when it's getting slow, as you said, <laughs> getting, the Giants have the most brutal schedule in the league, but they're going to win 10 plus games. Let's go. So, uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. So, I think that's a testament. I th- yeah, I think that's a testament to the improvement that's expected from the Giants sure. and the, sort of the mindset within the building of this is now starting at the you know, it's at the bottom, but they're starting to build towards what they see as a potential championship team. So after winning nine games last year, you've got to improve on that. 
the Giants have to get to at least 10 games. I'm sure in the heads of every single person in that building, that's exactly what they're thinking of. They're not they're not looking ahead right now and saying we're going to go in the Super Bowl. What they're thinking of is we got to get better than we were last year. We got to get to 10 wins. We got to get back to the playoffs and we got to keep this ball rolling. And I think they're going to. Yeah, if you're not optimistic in late May, then your team's probably screwed, right? If you're if you're a fan right. and you're not op- at least a little optimistic about your team, then it's just a disaster. Your whole offseason has been a disaster to this point. So <laughs> I like I like the optimism. My question to you, Dan, is you know I love to uh, uh, profit off of your predictions when it comes to the Giants during the regular season. <laughs> and it's been a profitable a situation for, for some of your friends as well and, and others who listen to the show. Uh, I should if I find Giants over under at seven and a half, I should just be hammering the over. I would. I, I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised it's at seven and a half. I understand that the schedule, you know, looks brutal in terms of travel, rest, uh, primetime games, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, w- with our approach was you have to look at every game individually. Uh, and when you look at every game individually, there are more than seven and a half wins here. Uh, so. You know, I'm again. Sometimes Vegas just likes to lose money, particularly on the Giants. It seems so. I would, I would continue with that trend and say, listen, if you could find seven and a half, take that over. That seems safe. It feels safe because thinking that they're only going to win, they're going to go eight and nine, and, and that's where Vegas has them at. Okay, I'll take that. I'm, pr- I feel confident that they'll at least reach that. Yes. Okay, that that's good to know. So I'm, I'm, I might have to place this futures bet. You know what I mean? And we'll see how it goes throughout the season. And I could keep referencing it back. Which would be fun. Um, I we think, talk about how silly, how silly predicted and wins and losses are. But then you got Vegas, who's out there, you know, placing betting lines in May. You know, it's seven and a half too. So you know, both sides are just as silly as the other. So I, I have just as much of a chance to win that as Vegas does. Of course, and I, I'm and I'm far from like a uh, sports betting, um, you know, expert. You know, I am definitely just doing it for fun out here. Uh, but I believe Vegas. They want to put those lines out as early as possible, Dan, to get you to to bet the over because I just, you know, injuries happen, things happen with teams, good teams will end up spiraling. Like, you know, the Rams are a good example last year coming off the Super Bowl and they just freaking end up tanking. You know what I mean? They just, they're just a horrible team. I'm sure their win-loss was up at eight and a half right. or nine and a half last year. So they want you to bet the over because a lot of times the under will happen because of injuries or whatever. But I think, you know, you seem so optimistic Going with eleven and six on Giants Wire, the the line at seven and a half off to try to find shop for that line. If I find Giants seven and a half, I feel like that's uh, value. So yeah. I'm not going to bet the whole. Well, I mean, listen, do you, do you here? I, I, I would just ask you or any other fans: do you, Does this scream a seven and ten team to you? No, no, I don't yeah, think exactly. so. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think but so you know, but I just think it's. I just find it really fun that the schedule is so brutal. We're talking about, right. oh man, we're so worried about the schedule. <laughs> But we're so optimistic they they're going to win. <laughs> you know? They don't have to be mutually exclusive. <laughs> no, they don't. You know, both both things can be true. Yeah. Listen, if you're a good team, you'll you'll navigate a difficult schedule. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I think the Giants under Brian Dable are a good football team. And we're going to find out this year, and we're going to find out pretty early this year too. Yep. And I will say this to uh, to fans uh, heading to Vegas: it's a good trip. Give yourself a few days. But if if Giants fans are debating whether they want to go to that game in Vegas Week Nine, uh, I did that. Uh, last year, as a I went and saw the Patriots game. Do you remember that one, Dan? When uh, I Jacoby do Myers threw the ball to, <laughs> to the Raiders yeah, at the end? Right <laughs> yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah. So that was right in front of my face there in the stadium. Uh, that place is uh, a great stadium to go uh, visit. 
Uh, I would definitely recommend it to Giants fans now that Vegas is on the schedule on the road. But I would say, give your, Thursday night. I know exactly. Give yourself <laughs> some time though. Don't try to do it in a short, you know, a short turnaround because you don't want to be dealing with any kind of traffic. You just want to be able to walk there uh, or, you know, get a ride close to the stadium and then walk in. You don't want to be driving anywhere near there or try to pick up an Uber anywhere near that stadium because it's a uh, madness. But, you know, give yourself some time. Go check out the Giants in Vegas. That's a good trip. Uh, I know it sounds cliche, Dan. You know, oh, let's go see the Giants of Vegas. Highly recommend if you're if you yeah. know you're into that kind of that kind of scene. Yeah, look, you got some good ones this year. You know, at San Francisco, yep. at Miami, at Vegas, um, you know, at New Orleans. So yeah, there's some yeah, good you're, options. You're right. There. This is like this is the, like rent a bus and just travel around. I mean, warm weather yeah. all <laughs> over the place. Uh, cool cities to visit. Good food. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, this is this is an interesting schedule in a lot of ways. I'm sure we'll be uh, referencing back to it throughout the uh, the year, Dan. But I guess now I got to let you go and have some quiet time, right? Yeah, so we'll, it's re- rest it's time. season in full effect. I'll miss you, but we, I think we're gonna we're gonna scale it down a little bit on the pod. We'll come back when news breaks and it's warranted, right? Like maybe, yeah, maybe we'll talk around. We'll, we'll keep an eye on Saquon Barkley. We'll see what's going on there. Maybe we'll come back and reconvene if that thing finally has a solution. Sounds good. If not, we know, we'll probably catch up with you guys uh, just ahead of training camp. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.